Good evening. Whoa. Good evening. There we go. That's what I'm talking about. I'm so glad to uh, be able to stand before you again and proclaim God's word. <clears throat> That's a great song. Faith is the victory, ain't it? That's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. A song that you may know, you may not know, but I want to read it to you. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly or the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. Can't you hear the kids say that at the end? You know, many of you have probably sung that song and, and you may still sing it with your grandchildren. I hear the preschool, they sing it uh, in the morning sometimes. And if you're not careful, that's a song that'll get stuck in your head. Because as I was doing this lesson, I was riding in the infantry and doing all of those things too and playing out the parts in my head. You know how that is. And that's a, you know, a fun song for the kids. But really... There is some power behind that thought. It says, I may never march in the infantry or ride in the cavalry or shoot the artillery or fly over the enemy, right? I may never be in a real combat like some of our brothers here, maybe some sisters too, have done. But one thing for sure, that when we become a child of God, we belong to the Lord's army. I'm talking about an undefeated army. You know, uh, the Olympics are going on and, and I was thinking about when I was doing this lesson, I thought about the dream team. Y'all remember the dream team in 92 Olympics, I think, uh, with Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and all the great basketball players, you know, uh, before the college kids would come and they'd play and and they'd get beat by these other countries. And so uh, they decided to bring the best players together on one team. And what ended up happening? I mean, they were beating teams by 40 and 50 points. There was no comparison. Nobody could touch them. What a blessing we have as Christians to be a part of the Lord's army. And that's what I want to talk about this evening. For just a few minutes about being a part of the Lord's army. If you would, turn with me to Joshua chapter 6. That's where we'll be at. We're going to continue talking about the character Joshua in the Old Testament and uh, help us to bring a New Testament application to our lives that we can take out into uh, the world. And I hope that uh, you can get some encouragement from this lesson. 
You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about Joshua and we talked about how uh, they had cr- reached the Jordan River. They'd crossed the Jordan uh, through a miracle by God and God told them to set these 12 stones on the other side uh, as a reminder to remind them what the Lord had done for them. You know, so when their children would ask, what do these rocks mean? That they could tell their children that this day, uh, when these rocks were set down, the Lord stopped the river and we crossed over. But not only that time, He also parted this big Red Sea and we crossed over it too. You know, so they cross over and then they're staying in this place called Gilgal. I'm just going to kind of get us up to where I want to talk to. Uh, And the place Gilgal means uh, rolling away. Look at uh, chapter 5, verse 9 real quick. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of this place is called Gilgal to this day. The reproach was gone. We're starting new. This is a new beginning. And so, what happens is the kings around them hear of this uh, miracle that God had done for the children of Israel and they become discouraged, uh, Joshua 5.1. They were discouraged uh, to the point that they weren't going to do anything to them. They were a little bit frightened of them. And Joshua uh, is told by God to make flint knives. And I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but this is a very important point to understand. Uh, God tells Joshua to make flint knives, and he wants them to circumcise the men. The purpose of uh, circumcision began with Abraham. God told Abraham to circumcise all the men in his family, the servants and anyone in his house, because it will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And that's found in Genesis 17, uh, 10 through 14. The Lord tells him that this is an everlasting covenant. And if anyone is not circumcised, they will be cut off from his people. That was something that had to be done. And if they were going to be considered a child of God or a part of the children of Israel, it was a physical act of obedience to show that they wanted to be a part of God's family. So they were circumcised and the kings around them were still discouraged. And you know, it's just so convenient that these kings stayed discouraged while these men healed from this circumcision. God was working. He was helping it out. He was setting it up. They celebrate the Passover, and then they eat the produce from the land. And here's a verse, if you haven't marked, it's an interesting verse, because sometimes it comes up, maybe, I hope, that... Uh, Look at verse 12, Joshua 5, verse 12. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate food of the land of Canaan that year. Manna had poured down from the sky and fed people for all these years, and this is where it stops. 
They had reached the promised land. They had ate the produce from the land and the manna stopped. And this is where I want to pick up. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 and 15. Let's read it. And it came to pass, then Joshua was by Jericho, that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? But he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord, Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Here's Joshua by Jericho. You know, I'm just going to speculate here. He's looking at Jericho. He's thinking about these walls that are around this city. Maybe thinking about uh, how they're going to invade, what they're going to do, what's going to happen. And then he lifts up his eyes and he looks. Maybe he's praying to God about this because we know that Joshua and Caleb were the two spies that said that they could overtake Canaan, you remember when the spies were sent out, they were the only two that said that it could happen. And they were the only two from the first generation that were able to cross into the promised land. But he looks up. And he sees a man standing in front of him. And this man who is opposite him has his sword drawn. And his sword is drawn in his hand. Joshua asks him, Are you for us or against us? And the man says, No. What? No. I'm not for you or against you. He says, I've come as the commander of the army of the Lord. Joshua fell on his face... And he worships him. And he asked the man, uh, What does my Lord say to my servant? And the commander tells him to take off his sandal because the place where he's at is holy. What a scene. Think about it. You know, some, uh, as I was reading about this, and this is a very, very uh, interesting area of Scripture, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here uh, dealing with that, but uh, this is a very interesting part of Scripture, and what I mean by that is some say that this is Jesus before He was Jesus. Some people say that this was Jesus coming to Him in the Old Testament. Some say that this was just a vision. Some say that this was reality. Now either way, you want to talk about this, whether it was a vision or it was reality. And to say that it was Jesus eh, doesn't really matter in the fact that we do know this, and it happens one other time in Scripture... That is, he says in verse 15, take off your sandals 
Take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy, right? When do we hear that? When have we heard that before in Exodus 3? When God is talking to who? Moses. And he tells Moses to do what? Take off your sandals for the place which you stand is holy ground. So we're not talking about just a regular man. We're talking about God. God has come to Joshua literally. And the first thing I'd like for us to consider is we need to realize the army we belong to. He says, whose side are you on? And the man says, no. I'm not on either side. I'm the commander of the army of the Lord. And the commander says, really he's saying, whose side are you on? It must have been impressive to see this guy because he immediately bows down and he worships him. But here's the thing about it. The man had his sword drawn. He was ready. He was ready for battle because that's what was fixing to happen they were ready to go to war and here is God however we want to look at it father, son, spirit, however it was here he was standing in front of Joshua what was he doing? trying to be intimidating? no, what he was saying was I'm with you, are you ready? I'm with you I'm not joining your army and I'm not on this team's army. Here's my question. Are you on my army? Are you in my army? This was to comfort Joshua. God is comforting Joshua and we can be comforted also that Whatever we're going through, whatever battles that we have in our life, because we're talking about the Lord's army and it is a spiritual army when we use the Lord's army, right? We don't physically, the elders don't have swords and guns and knives in the baptistry room right here and we gather them up and we're going to go out and go to war, right? No, we're talking about a spiritual battle. And the Lord comforts us. Listen to Romans 8, 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He wants to help us. He wants to guide us. He wants to allow us to do the right things the right way so we can be the best that we can be. Brethren, we're a part of the Lord's army. God is ready. But the question is, are we? Are we ready to be a part of the Lord's army? Do we realize what we have? The second thing to consider, God's plan for victory is always perfect. And so here's the question, 
Will we obey it? Do we realize what we belong to? Do we realize that we belong to the man, to the, this commander standing in front of Joshua? He had to realize that this was something that was not from this world. And it was something that was going to be a part of this battle and these conquering of these cities. Do we realize what we have? Do we realize that the commander that commanded Joshua is the same commander that we have now? That wants to guide us and direct us into the success of any type of situation. Look at Joshua 6, 1 and 5. Now Jericho was securely shut. It was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Jericho was securely shut. I mean, if I'm thinking about battle and I'm going into this war, I would probably be a little bit intimidated about this wall and this city that I'm supposed to be taking over. But here is the encouraging thing about this. God isn't worried about it. God doesn't have any uh, worries about the plan. He never, well, let me think about it. Let me try and figure up a scheme. Let me try, no, I know the battle can be won if you do this. He gives them the plan. He says, I've given the city into your hands. Then he tells them how to execute the plan. Six days, march around it once, right? And then on the seventh day, march around it seven times. And when, the, 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 when they blow the ram's horn and the trumpet sounds, I want you to shout. Make a loud shout. So he gives the plan, and now it was up to the children of Israel to execute the plan. Look at verse 14. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. The Israelites did as God commanded, just like He said. They did it for six days. Now look at verses 15 and 16. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early around the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened... When the priests blew the trumpets and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city. They did just as the Lord commanded. And look at verse 20. 
So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened. When the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout, that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. They did it exactly like he said, and what happened? It came to pass. Over the past several decades, I was kind of studying on Jericho, and there was like two or three people that have done these, uh, archaeologists have investigated Jericho, and... I love this. There's one, uh, both of the main two that had studied this area, they come to the same agreement, but one is an atheist, so you definitely can see the skewed view that she has. But um, what happened was when they went and they discovered that the walls weren't caved in, the walls weren't actually caved in or torn down like you would normally see if somebody was coming into the city. You know, you just start trying to bash the walls in, right? But instead, when they went and looked at it, the walls literally were collapsed. Like a natural cause is what they said. Like an earthquake. Like they fell flat. <laughs> that's, that's amazing to me. You know, we know different than an earthquake. We know the walls fell down flat because the Israelites went around the seven times and then when the tr- trumpet blew, guess what? They shouted and the walls fell flat. That's literal proof. You know, they, they, they went back and they, they looked at the city. Uh, look at verse, uh, uh, da, 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 verse 26. Chapter 6, verse 26. Look at this real quick. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with its firstborn, and with the youngest he shall set up its gates. They go and they check this old city of Jericho. Now there's a new city of Jericho that was built just outside of it, but there never was a city built again on the old Jericho. Just like the Bible said. And the, and the thing about it is, Joshua was written how many thousands of years ago? And here it is, laying in this desert, just like the Bible says. How encouraging is that, brethren? We are are a part of that army. We are a part of a God who says something and it's true. He says do it and if you do it, guess what? It will come to pass. It really goes to show what Paul said in Romans 15.4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning that through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures we might have hope. I have hope, brethren, tonight. I know the God that we serve is awesome. And he 
stuff happens. Here's the hope we have. We have the actual account of what happened in the Bible. And then we see the evidence laid out and it's perfect. The Lord was ready to help in the situation. He said, I'm ready. Are you ready? And here's the plan. Are you ready to do it? And if you're ready to do it, be ready to succeed. Now, does that come right... uh, Here you are struggling in something. You've got a real tough situation. And now you're, okay, I'm going to turn to the Lord and do what God says. So as soon as I read it, I'm going to immediately be able to be good and perfect and it's right. No. They still had to go through the battle. They still had to do what was necessary for the success, just like us. The same way God... Told the children of Israel how to defeat Jericho. Jesus tells us the same thing. Be encouraged by these these verses right here. John 12, 48 through 50. I read it a lot, but uh, if you go on past it, it's really beautiful what Jesus says. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority... But the Father who sent me gave me a command. What I should say and what I should speak. And I know that His command is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. Be encouraged by that, brethren. What Jesus speaks is a command from God and His command is everlasting life. Jesus came to this earth to tell us what to do. Not only to be successful here, but successful forever and ever. What is everlasting life forever? John 10.10 The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to have life everlasting. And we, if you're a Christian, you belong to that army. So why don't we, and I'm not saying that we don't, I want to encourage you more and more and more to do what He says. And the third thing to think about this evening, there is no victory in doing it how we think is best. Amen? I've tried it. It's terrible. But what I love about this story is the Lord gave specific instructions and the children of Israel did exactly as He said. And what happened? The walls fell flat. It happened exactly as He said it would. Remember, Jesus says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that this is His command, is everlasting life. Today we live in the world where that concept has been forgotten, really. 
How many different religious groups are out there that don't even preach about Jesus? They're obviously not preaching what Jesus says because you can tell it in the way that they teach doctrine. I'm, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody. People say, well, we all believe a little bit different, but we're all headed in the same direction, right? Brethren, we have to make sure that we realize who we belong to, the army that we belong to, and we have to understand that His words are the only way for success, and we have to be able to tell others about that. Matthew 16, 18, I want to just use an illustration. Jesus says that He will build my church. There's only one church that's going to go to heaven. So what we have to find out is what? How do I get into that church? Only by doing like the Israelites, obeying the commands of the Lord. Turn with me to Luke 24 real quick. Luke 24. What better way to show God and the way that He commands and says things than by showing it through His Word. Luke 24, verse 46, And then He said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at... Jerusalem. Jesus is telling the apostles that in Jerusalem you will preach the need for repentance and how to receive remission or forgiveness of sins. Which brings us to Acts 2. So here's Acts 2 and Peter's preaching the first gospel sermon and what does he tell them? He tells them in verse 36, he preaches about Jesus and what they did and who he was. And it says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then what does he do? Remember what Jesus says. That he's going to talk about repentance and remission of sins in Jerusalem. Telling the apostles this, and then in Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For this promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Here it is. Over and over. And I'm using this salvation verses and I'm using this way of, of, of explaining it because we all are very familiar with this and I hope we are. Some may not be. But we all are very familiar with what God says. But here's the deal. What He says is true. You could tell it through Joshua. How many more illustrations? Every time you go through the Bible, God said something. If you guys don't turn back, 
then I'm going to send you somewhere, right? If you don't turn back, whatever the situation was, hey, Noah, build an ark because what's going to happen is a flood's going to come. And guess what happened? A flood came. Jesus said, you're going to go into Jerusalem and you're going to preach repentance and remission of sins. And guess what Peter did? He preached it. In Acts 2.41, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They were added to them. (laughs) Yes. Acts 2.47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Repentance and remission of sins puts you in the body of Christ, which is the church. But you can't get in there unless you do it just like He said. If, if, if the Israelites walked around four times on that seventh day, what would have happened? Nothing. It had to be exactly like He said. When you just listen to what God says and obey, you will be victorious. Now, I'm talking about struggles in your life. I'm talking about any situation that you're dealing with. Not only salvation. If I'm struggling with being anxious, what does the Bible say? If I'm struggling with anger, what does the Bible say? And how does it say deal with it? One more example, and then I'm going to close. Galatians chapter 6. We just talked about this, I talked with it with Blue and Elizabeth, and it's a really good uh, point to just think about. Ephesians, uh, I mean Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. I want to just look at this, and I want you to see how God sets this up for our success. Galatians 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass... You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Now think about that. He's talking about a man is overtaken in a trespass. Okay? You who are spiritual, how are you supposed to restore this person? Hatefully? Judging them to the point where they... Uh, don't want to talk to you? No. It says, in a spirit of gentleness. Why is that? Here's the success. Because you have to consider yourself. So, how am I going to get through this and beat it successfully? Because when I know that I need to get with this person, and I need to help restore them back, I have to do it considering how I would want to be treated, right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not do unto others however you want to say it. Because if you don't do that, then what happens? You'll be tempted. And what will happen after that? You'll fall. And then you'll sin. And then what happens is the whole thing comes crumbling down. 
Here's Jesus, here's the Bible, here's God's Word standing in front of us with His sword ready and says, you want to be successful in overcoming uh, and helping a brother or uh, uh, somebody through a trespass? Restore them in the spirit of gentleness. Consider yourself lest you also be tempted to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing, to do the wrong thing. Over and over and over, brethren, the Scriptures will play this out. If you want to be successful, you can do it. I love you all very much. I appreciate you. I appreciate you giving me the time to proclaim God's Word. It is so awesome. And I love this congregation. I love you all so much, and I appreciate what you do for the kingdom. But I want to encourage you with this. Strive harder, strive more to be better and closer to God and closer to His Word and you'll be successful. You may be here and you're struggling. You may need some prayers. You can come forward and, and, and talk to the elders. We can pray for you. We got people that will call you and check on you. You may be here and you need to become a Christian. Maybe you need to obey God's Command. Maybe you need to become a part of the Lord's army. You can do that. Jesus said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Don't you want to be saved? Don't you want to go to heaven? Jesus said, The Father commanded me to speak everlasting life, and here's how you have it. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you need to obey the gospel, if you need to repent, whatever you need, come right now. Together we stand and sing.